Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Mondo Show. I cannot wait to talk to my special guest today. He has written a book called Shortcuts. Oh, my God. When I started reading this book, I had to come. I felt convicted. (laughs) You know, sometimes in life, you have to reflect in your own life. Some of the decisions that you have made throughout your life and realize, man, if I take a shortcut over here, I'm going to get there faster. But come to find out, I'm missing out on the journey to get me to my destination. Stay tuned because I believe today is going to be the day that you will have to come back to the original plan and understand the clarity of the journey. Don't miss out on the journey. Don't take away from the journey. Stop taking shortcuts to everything to try to get there fast. We are living in a moment in time right now where everyone wants to be influencers overnight, yet they don't understand that behind it is a cuss word called work. (laughs) Oh, man, I remember years ago, I asked a very successful man that built multi-million dollar companies, and I asked him, what is the key to success? I need to know. I need to find out how I can start and get on my way to success. And he said, I have this little box I want you to open. And the little box, it said, the key to success. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to find out. This is why this man became a multi-millionaire and owned companies and led, led an industry and, and, and really change an industry. And when I walked up to his desk and I opened up this little box that said the key to success, I opened it and my smile turned upside down because the key to success was spelled out called work. Oh, and today my special guest, it is Bob Hassan. He is one of the greatest influencers, I want to say, in this field. I've researched this area for the last several weeks, and I can tell you that Bob Hassan has the key. God has downloaded the key to success, and I want you to know something. In life, if you don't get around people that have a vision for you, you're going to miss it. But Bob Hassan is currently the co-host of the iTunes, get this, top 100 podcast called Exploring the Marketplace. He has been a CEO of a business that he founded for 44 years or 44 years ago, to say the least. But I want to know how he got started. Did he take any shortcuts to get to where he's at? Well, I don't want to talk no more. I want you to help me welcome my special guest. He's a businessman. He's an author. He's a consultant. He's a podcaster. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a leader in the church. He's a leader in the community. And I believe that he's about to change your life with the information that he has written in his brand new book titled Shortcuts, The Proven Path to Purpose, Excellence, and Calling. Please help me welcome my special guest today, businessman, consultant, author, pastor, I want to say, I don't know if you're a pastor, but I believe that you're a pastor to a lot of people out there. Your knowledge, I love your book. I love the advice that you give in this book. And I got to tell you, 
I've been convicted because I took a couple of shortcuts throughout my 26 years of ministry that I'm now paying for, and I'm sorry. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Mondo, I'm, I'm really well and so glad to be back with you. How are you? Listen, I am doing good, except for the fact that I wanted you on the orange couch someday. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to fly out there and surprise you and just be on your orange couch. <laughs> just going to find you here laying on my couch coming in. Yeah, right. uh, listen, I, oh man, I'm so excited to have you on. We've been trying to make this work. I got to ask you this. Where did this book come from? Why did you feel you needed to write this book called Shortcuts? Mondo, I've, I've had the privilege over you know, over 40 years of talking to believers who uh, are trying to do the right thing and who want to do the right thing. And, you know, in this society right now with the dislocation and the disruption, people are just feeling lost. And I think the journey or the process of life has been has been uh, put in a back seat to people. And in, in this day and age, in the society, everybody wants everything right now. So I talk to young people and they say, hey, I'm 25 years old and I'm a failure. I have not, I'm not a millionaire yet. And, and I say, where did you get the idea you'd be a millionaire when you're 25? I mean, 1% of the, of, of the, of the nation are millionaires and 60% uh, of those are over 50 years old when they finally make that point. And what's happened is society... Uh, through social media and other avenues of media have, have have just made it seem like everything is so fast paced and we've lost this process, the journey to what our purpose is. You know, Bob, when I think about what you just said, it makes me think about where we are economically right now in the United States. You own a business. What is the first thought that you wake up with when you hear the news that inflation has hit America and it looks like we may go into a recession? As a businessman, as a leader, how do you handle that type of uh, news? Because you know it's going to affect your employees, it's going to affect the products that you deal with. How does a businessman like yourself respond to the changes that we're seeing in our environment? Well, uh, this is my fourth recession that we've been through, and and they all seem to be the same. The news comes out and talks about inflation. The media then uh, exacerbates it. People become afraid to buy and sell, and and we and we have a correction. And I think corrections are good in today's economy, but for people. Uh, as prices raise and uh, salaries don't, it there becomes a squeeze. And the only thing that I can say and what I do in my life is I turn to the Lord and ask the Lord, like, please direct me. Please direct my paths in this situation economically. Please show me how to help my company and my employees as we navigate through uh, economic turmoil. How did you get to become, when my notes here says, one of the largest and most successful of its kind type of company I, as a businessman? For those that are watching, if you're a businessman, if you're a businesswoman and you're, and you're having trouble growing your business, I want you to pay attention in the next few moments because I believe that Bob Hassan has a key for you to begin to set your vision down. The Bible says it clear. Write the yes. vision down. Mm -hmm. Make it plain. 
So when others read it, they can run with that vision. Bob, how did you become the largest and one of its most successful in the United States type of company? How did, let's start from the beginning. How did yeah. you get the vision? How did you write the vision? And then what was the clarity to get that vision out? Mondo, I was an 18 year old in 1978. I had a 64 uh, Volkswagen bug. I put a paintbrush and a roller in the back of my car and just started painting people's bathrooms or living rooms. And I put one foot in front of the other. Uh, I, I don't want to say this is rocket science, but I founded uh, our, what is now my company on three principles. Show up on time, do the work you say you're going to do for the price that you said you're going to do it and clean up. And uh, lo and behold, with those magic principles uh, and putting one foot in front of the other day after day, month after month, week after week, <laughs> I, mean, I said that backwards, but you get the point, year after year, decade after decade, um, all of a sudden I turn around and look back and I have a mature company and, and the Lord's faithful. He was my partner through all of this, through the ups and downs, through the trials, through the near bankruptcies, through all the economic conditions that have happened over these decades. You know, I love that in chapter two, you write about the world is out of balance. And again, I cannot help but to think about this portion that you write about the evolution of the American work ethic. What's happened mm -hmm. to the work ethic in America? I'm not sure. You know, uh, the country was founded in the Industrial Revolution and great companies were built and the greatest generation, which were, were my parents, uh, parents, they they stayed at a company for 50 years and got the gold watch and hopefully paid off their house. And then, you know, the baby boomers came and said, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to use credit and we're not going to we're not, the man is not going to take care of us. And so we've seen these generations change. But the technology revolution has given, you know, brilliant people the ability to work remotely. And we've seen that in the last two years uh, to work different hours than uh, most of us are used to. And so in this dislocation and disruption, we've had to, you know, understand how the next generation works. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I've, I, I am around lots and lots of young people who are really, really in the Lord, doing the things and following their purpose and their calling. You know, most of the time when we make the mistake, I, and, I, and I confess to you, Bob, <laughs> early on in, in, in ministry, I've been in ministry for 26 years, yeah. and the first uh, year I try to make two shortcuts to try to get me to where I wanted to be and it set me back uh, 20 because I wanted to do it right. You know, I wanted to do, you know, guys like me, Bob, that grew up in the gangs and they come from a lifestyle. You know this, you, you, you live in, in, in California, so you understand the culture there. But even in, in the culture in Chicago or New York or any of us that grew up in the streets of, of where we don't have rules, yet we live under rulership of the street. Uh, right. when I came out, I came out with, um, bad habits, the habits yeah. of thinking I can get away with, you know, doing less and gaining more. And it caught up to me on my first year of ministry. I had a wake up call, but it was a decision I needed to make that if I was going to continue making shortcuts, then I was not going to have longevity. 
for those that are taking shortcuts right now in their business, in their prayer life, in Christianity, in their marriage, what is what happens when we take shortcuts? Well, you know, we, we hear this term life hacks, or if you're a gamer, cheat codes, or the word shortcuts. Everybody wants to figure out how to get there faster. And if you're in a marriage, or if you're in a business, if you're in the ministry, and and you haven't put the work in, for example, if you're an entry-level uh, employee, and somehow you take a shortcut to be the CEO, and you're sitting in the C-suite saying, what do I do now? You don't know because you've taken a shortcut. And, and so the proven path, you know, to finding our purpose is, is really the journey of life. And I believe, you know, there really is one shortcut, Mondo, which is pursuing wisdom. And, you know, Solomon is, was the richest man in the world, the richest ruler, and he pursued wisdom. And, and so that's one way that we can find a shortcut. But other than that, taking the time to work through a process and work through all the things that need to be done is, is, is the path. And lots of people don't want to hear that, but it is how we get there. Of course, we focus on the 0.001% of, of the Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or fill in the blank of, of these men who've become wildly successful at a young age. And yes, God can do that for us, but for me in my career and for most of the people I know, it's been, it's been a process and a journey. How do we discover our purpose? I love this passion right here that you write about in chapter six. It's discovering and developing your unique design with so much. And I love that you keep talking about social media and the culture environment that we're in right now, because it seems like we're chasing the tail once again trying to fit the mold, trying to create shortcuts. I got to look this way. I got to buy the nice expensive shoes. I got to drive the nice car if I'm going to fit in once again. I got to look the part, yet we fail to discover who we really are. In the midst of that, we're finding people failing and not discovering what they were called to do with anxiety and depression. And boy, you know, you talk about having shortcuts the results of it are anxiety. You have to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with depression. You, you, it's never enough. The anxiety of money. And, I, and you know, one of my biggest things in early on was the anxiety of how am I, how am I going to make money for retirement? How am I going to make this? How am I going to make And the anxiety for the first year, finally God had to break that pattern but I needed to discover what you write about in chapter six. And I can tell you, it's been a journey every single day, discovering and uncovering and developing. Let's talk about that. How do we discover? That can be a three part question because how do we yeah. discover? Then the hard part, are we willing to discipline ourselves in the development to find the uniqueness about ourselves? Well, I'm going to start at the baseline of our identity, we're love sons and daughters of, of Jesus. And if we can figure that out, if we can figure out that performance is broken because we are accepted, adopted, and in God's kingdom as sons and daughters, then no matter how successful we hope to be on one end or how successful we are, performance is broken. So the question is, 
what have we been created for? We've been created for a relationship with God and relationship with each other. And if we're created for a relationship, then what does that look like in our workplace? It, it looks like people. And, and how do we find out what our purpose is? Well, there's, there's our character. What does our character look like? Are we willing to show up early? Are we willing to stay late? Are we willing to ask uh, our, our, the people that we work with, uh, do you need help because my tasks are finished? Or go to our supervisor and say, I'm, I'm, will I'm finished with my task. Can I help? We can look at personality tests like the Enneagram or the DISC test or Myers-Briggs and figure out, are we in the right place? There's a culture also. Another, the third point is culture. What culture do we want to portray? A culture of love or a culture of fear? When, when we're portraying a culture of love, then we're helping in the teams and the groups and the relationships that we're at. So we have this choice to make, like to follow Jesus relationally, to follow him spiritually, and to follow him in every area that he leads and directs our paths. How do you lead a generation? And I love this because you write about it, the church and work culture. I think this is, for me, one of my favorite parts of this book is when you write about this. And, and let me read it. And listen, I'm going to put a link where you can go get this book if you own a business, if you're planning to own a business, if you're trying to figure out what God has called you to do. I love, listen, one of the things that we fail to do in the church is to teach pastors, youth pastors, evangelists, how to manage their finances, how to balance their checkbook, how to make investments take place. I believe that Christian television needs to change from begging for money to figuring out how can we become an investment? How can we invest so that we can have the freedom to preach the gospel without, you know, having that thing over our heads where we have to ask you for money to support us? And I get it because every organization that deals with nonprofit has to raise money. And I get it and I see that. But at some point, Bob, that has become a, 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 a shortcut almost that has failed because it seems like we got too comfortable in the church. There's got to be an answer. And, and can I ask you this? Could the church, could Christian television ever leave what we've always done in the past and is asking for donations? Can we ever manage our money where we can become competitors just like the world has become? Or is that a wrong thought to be thinking about? I think it's an entrepreneurial thought, Mondo. And yes, you know, the scripture tells us that uh, God owns the cattle on 10,000 hills, but he also owns those 10,000 hills and everything within the earth. So why not us? Why shouldn't we become investors and fund the kingdom uh, principles and resources and initiatives that we want to? Yes, we can do that. And uh, it's, it's the difference between a wealth mentality and a scarcity mentality. It's the difference between a poor in spirit. And I believe that we as believers have the opportunity for, to listen to God for entrepreneurial ideas, and he's practical, so he'll give them to us. I, I, I look around the world and I think to you know, all the people that I talk to, why not us? Why would not he resource us so we can resource his kingdom? So I think that's a, a wonderful thought, Mondo. You know, what I love this. Let me go back to this. The church and work culture. You write about my generation produced the workaholic pastors, 
Man, we can stop right there and do a whole show on that. <laughs> I've been guilty of that, not because of me being in that generation, but me being mentored by that generation. You get that? So you almost get, you know, a piece of that generation. This is so, listen, you watching right now, this is why it's so important that you have the right people around you, but you also understand that you don't always have to take on the character or mannerisms of, you know, whoever is mentoring you because it may be a stepping stone for what God has called you to do. And I felt like that happened to me the first couple of years in my life, Bob, is that, you know, what you talk about here, my generation produced the workaholic, workaholic pastors who built mega churches and the next generation of church leadership has been marked by the celebrities and superstars uh, with their branded ministry platforms. I mean, that alone, that statement alone, we can spend hours talking about it and really unpacking it because if you wonder what's happening to our leaders— it can be it can be broken down in so many different versions of what's going on right now, and I can tell you that uh, it almost got me in the pitfalls, Bob. Right. But let's talk about this. How do we balance church and work culture when it comes to being a leader in the church in ministry today? Well, you know. That same principle goes for in, in the business world, you know, workaholic, workaholic CEOs, workaholic parents uh, that have led into what we have now. One of the things that we can protect about it, it, again, Jesus is relational. And what happens is we get isolated from people. The busier we get, we put our head down. We think, you know, hey, we don't have time for going to church or going to small group or going to men's group or going to women's group, whatever it is, and we get isolated. And what, what, what makes me nervous when I'm talking to leaders is when I say, who do you hang out with? Who are you spending time with? And they don't have anyone. Who are your friends? Do you have any friends? No. And when people get isolated like that, whether they're in the ministry, business world, um, sports and entertainment, when people are isolated, this is the path to destruction. This is where, um, where, where you see people fall. And, and so I, I encourage people all the time to get back into relationship, to find their friends, to become vulnerable and accountable and transparent with the people that love them and that they love. Can you take the next few moments and just minister to that entrepreneur that is watching, that employer that is getting ready to make a decision yet it can be a fundamental decision either to either build a company or destroy the company or that mm -hmm. pastor that is watching right now that is thinking about leaving because it's not working out the way he planned. I, you know, when I was thinking about this today, I really felt like I needed to give you th this next few moments where you minister to us and just, I got five minutes left, just minister to us. I know you got something in your heart that I need to hear. Those that are watching need to hear. We want to hear from you. Well, if it was easy to lead, everyone would do it. And so if you've built a business or a ministry, a 501c3 or a church, you're out, you're a forerunner and you have a tendency to get isolated. Problems crop up that you never thought that you would be, uh, you would be aware of people problems, cash problems, organizational problems. 
the only thing that I have known how to do in my 45-year career is partner with Jesus, is partner with the Lord. I hear people say, well, God is my CEO, and that's, that's amazing. But what God's asking us to do is to partner with him, to trust him, to lean not into our own understanding, to let him direct our paths. He says that he has a plan and a vision and a direction for us if we'll write it down. And so if you believe those things, if you believe that our Father in Heaven was generous enough to give us His Son to hang on the cross for the remission of our sins and for these very problems that we're working with, then it gives us the ability to be generous back to God and understand that we, in our shame, uh, in our scarcity mindsets, can come to Him, we can open our our hands and say, Lord, we need help in this. I need practical help with these decisions that are before me right now. I need supernatural strategy for you to help me in order to make these decisions that I'm not qualified to make. God is our partner, and he wants to help us in these decisions, in these situations, with these issues. He is so concerned about it. He He knew us before, Uh, We were in our mother's womb. He knows every hair in our head. As a matter of fact, he counts the grains of sand. So he is qualified as our partner to to come and help us solve the problems, issues, and questions that we have. And he wants to do it, and he's faithful. And, And Mondo, just like you do, I have thousands of testimonies of people who have partnered with the Lord, and he's answered them with practical miracles. This is it. Listen, the book is called Shortcuts, The Proven Path to Purpose, Excellence, and Calling. I I love this. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a friend. And more than that, he's a minister of the gospel. And this is what I love about Bob is that no matter where he goes, he never misses an opportunity for you to know Christ. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through right now. But if you're getting ready to walk away from your family, if you're getting ready to lose your family, if you're getting ready to lose your business and you feel like all the hope is gone and you don't feel like you can keep up with the culture and you feel like you everything is just falling apart, I want you to know that what Bob just ministered to you, that the key that holds everything together is Jesus. Oh, I know we say it over and over and over and it's jaded. And, but let me tell you something. Jesus is the answer to everything that you're asking for. In this book, Bob shares nothing but Jesus principles. He shares the gospel, but he shares the practical things that will help your business, will even help your family, it will help your marriage, it will help your ministry, it will help even your church, Pastor. I want you to get this book today, Shortcuts. We need one another. The experiences that Bob has gone through is what I reflect on and I realize, oh, my Lord, thank you for having mercy and grace in my life. I needed this nugget of knowledge and his experience for me to be able to thrive. Oh, listen, my time is gone. I want to thank my special guest today. He's an author, consultant, businessman. You can catch his podcast with one of my dear friends, Sean Bowles. And I want you to know you can hear Exploring the Marketplace to find out more about business, more about life, and how to navigate through the economic craziness that we're going through right now. We're going to need God's wisdom, and we're going to need men and women that have gone through the process and have come out succeeding on the other side. I want you to know something. We need one another. 
If nothing else, I want you to go and find Bob Hassan, listen to his podcast, and understand that the wisdom comes from experience that he has lived through. I got to go, but I want you to remember this. No matter what you're going through, keep the faith, stay strong, find a good church that will teach the word, that will teach the word of God, a ministry that is helping people. Never stop loving, hurting people. I got to go. I'll see you next time. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. Thank you. It's an honor.